Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, welcome to Blue Ridge Church. I want to thank you for joining us today. Uh, Today's unique because every single one of us is joining our online campus Uh, You know, when we have weather events, we got to make a call, so we decided this would be best for everybody, but I so appreciate you being here. And and listen, if you're joining or watching for the very first time, I'm going to bring you up to speed on where we've been since the beginning of the year. On the 2nd of January, we kicked off a brand new series called Past Tense. And what we're doing in this series is we're looking at things in our past that we don't keep in the past. We tend to bring them to the present. And the truth is, every single one of us has a past, and if we don't handle that properly, things don't stay past tense. And when things don't stay past tense, it really paralyzes us and hurts us in life. So that very first Sunday, Matt kicked off the series, and he talked about our shame and our guilt and how we often leave the shame and the guilt of our past in the present life, right? We're constantly living that. We carry it from relationship to relationship, uh, employer to employer. We just carry it with us everywhere. And so he gave us some really practical ways to deal with that and to handle that so it can truly stay in the past where it belongs, past tense. Well, uh, last week, the old guy that usually talks a, a lot around here, we talked about sin, right? We talked about the best way to handle our sin. And, and traditionally, what we think is when we sin, we just need to keep that to ourselves, right? We don't need to tell the people that it may impact in the future. Uh, we don't need to tell our spouse. We don't need to tell our parents if we're a teenager. We just need to keep that to ourselves. But we learned that the scripture shows us really it's better to confess it to those that need to know that just get it on the table, talk about it, admit it, and then move forward. Otherwise, you know, that sin of our past continues to live with us and to haunt us in the present and even into the future. And we ended last week talking about the reason a lot of times we keep our past sin in the present is because we don't forgive ourselves. Maybe we've told the person that needs to know, maybe it was our husband or our wife, and and we've already had that conversation. They've forgiven us, Christ has forgiven us, but we will not forgive ourselves. We're the hardest person to forgive. So in order for that truly to stay past tense, we have to uh, end with forgiving ourselves. So today we're going to look at something else that is very difficult to keep past tense. It's something every single one of us struggles with as we go through life, and that is rejection. Every single one of us watching at home today, we have experienced rejection. And often that rejection that we experience, we just carry that. We think that's become a part of who we are, and we can never truly put it past tense. We're always battling with rejection. And what makes rejection so difficult is it causes us to question ourselves, to question our self-worth, to question our value. And we start asking questions like, I wonder what's wrong with me. I wonder why people don't like me. I wonder why people don't love me and people don't accept me. 
So what I'd like to do today in the time that we have is I want to look at how do we deal with rejection and then how can we truly keep any rejection that happens in our life past tense after it happens and how to move forward in life even when we've been rejected. Now, as we go through this, it doesn't matter where your rejection comes from. It could come from a spouse, a child, an employer, a teacher, a coach. If it's not dealt with properly, you're constantly going to live with it. So as we go through today, I want to start off with having you answer a statement. Now, you're not going to answer this out loud. I don't want you writing it down at home, you know, depending on who you're watching with. But I want you to think about how you would finish this sentence. I feel most rejected when? And then I want you to fill in the blank. I want you just to kind of ponder that, and I really want you to to personalize that. When do you feel the most rejected? What makes you feel the most rejected? And where have you felt the most rejected in life? And, And as you're thinking about that, as you're processing that, let's talk about where rejection tends to come from in our lives. And I think one of the biggest places that you and I face rejection is from ourselves. We receive rejection from ourselves, right? Think about looking in the mirror every day. It's terrible the things that come out of our mouths when we do this self-evaluation. We do it every day. We do it multiple times a day. Maybe you're like, well, I'm not attractive enough, or I'm not skinny enough, or I'm not big enough, I'm not strong enough, I'm not tall enough, I'm not short enough, I'm not smart enough or intelligent enough, I'm not good enough for the person that I'm dating or the person that I'm married to. Our minds go off the charts every single day and we reject ourselves. Other times, rejection comes from our very own families, right? We can be rejected by a spouse or, or a parent. Maybe you felt rejection from your parents. Maybe now you're in your 40s, you're in your 50s, and you still feel rejected by your parents, and you're still out there trying to earn the approval of your mom and dad. Let me just let you in on a little secret. If you have not received the acceptance of your mom and dad by now, you're never going to receive it. It's not going to come. Other times we can feel rejected by our siblings. Maybe you feel like your own kids reject you or your grandkids reject you, but family is one of those sources of rejection. We also can receive rejection from our peer group, right, our friends. And this happens a lot with young people, especially those middle school, high school years, those early 20 years. Often we experience rejection from those we hang out with and those that we hang around with the most. Other times, rejection can come from our close relationships. And this is more than just the extended family. This is the person you're married to. Maybe it's your husband or your wife, or it's your significant other, someone you're dating, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And I think the rejection that we experience in relationships is probably the hardest for us to deal with because it's really personal and it really affects us and how we feel like we're being loved or how we can give love. We can also experience it in our job, right? With our profession. 
Think about it. The, the employer that you work for, they, all of a sudden they change direction. And, and they're heading in a different direction or they're mechanizing or they're automating over here. And all of a sudden they don't need you anymore. And they let you go after 10 or 15 or 20 years of service. You feel rejected. Or you've been passed up at work for, a, for promotion that you felt like you, you were had earned, right? That you've worked hard for this. You've, you've done all the requirements, yet you were passed over for that promotion. You're going to feel rejection, or you didn't get the raise that you were thinking that you were going to get. Now, some of you, that rejection is the profession you have at home. You're a stay-at-home parent. You're a stay-at-home mom or a stay-at-home dad, and and the week just didn't go the way that you thought it was going to go. Your kids didn't respond. You didn't get everything accomplished that you wanted to get accomplished. So you feel rejection. Sometimes rejection, it's accidental. Sometimes it's intentional on other people's part. But regardless of where it comes from, if we deal with it enough, it's going to add up. And if we don't handle it properly, when it comes our way, it's going to always stay in the present. And what it's going to do over time is it's going to, it's going to promote emotional insecurity in us. We're, we're going to become people who are addicted to the approval of others when we handle and have rejection in our life enough and if we don't deal with it. So uh, people who go through uh, there'll, there'll be people that go through their entire life and they constantly feel that rejection, they internalize it, and they're constantly seeking the approval of others to try to get over that rejection. So hopefully just talking about several different places that rejection can come from, it, it helps you to answer that statement that I gave you earlier. I feel the most rejected when. And again, I, I want you to continue to think about that. All through today's talk, I want you to continue to think about when do I feel the most rejected. Now, if you're going to take notes, uh, the online host will send you a link for our notes. They're also at the bottom of the, uh, of the page there on the internet or Facebook, or our website, whichever way that you're watching. But here is the first learning today. Learning number one, the danger with rejection is it chips away at our self-confidence. It chips away at our confidence. Right? We start questioning ourselves, we start questioning our, our worth, and then all of a sudden, because we're feeling this lack of confidence, we try to conform. Right? We, we try to just be normal. We do whatever we need to in our life to fit in with others and to fit in with those people that are around us. And when we do that, we start compromising maybe the things we stand for, the things we believe in. It can keep us from speaking the truth. Like we talked about last week, you know, we, we don't want to just confess what we've done and talk to that husband or that wife or that person that means so much to us. You know, the, the other danger with rejection is it keeps us from, you know, giving and receiving love. We won't open up. We won't completely be ourselves. So as we're thinking about rejection... And when we feel the most rejected, I want you to think about this. Jesus was rejected, right? I mean, God comes to this earth, fully God, fully man, perfect in every way, 
Yet Jesus was rejected by people. So if Jesus, the Savior of the world, the one who died for our sins, if he was rejected, what chance do you and I stand of not being rejected? None. Right? We're going to be rejected. I mean, Jesus had that whole uh, divine thing going on for him, right? Yet people still rejected him. Look at Luke chapter 9, verse 22. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priest, and the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. Jesus knew the people were going to reject him. He knew his father didn't reject him, but the people would. So you and I, we need to know 100% we are going to be rejected by people. Now, if we have a relationship with Christ, God's never, ever going uh, to reject us. But our friend groups, our family, uh, possibly the person we love in a relationship, our children, we're going to be rejected. And then what happens when we're rejected? We, we get hurt, right? It, it hurts. It causes pain. And, and I think that pain hurts because we need to be loved. We have this desire in life to be loved. And when we experience or feel rejection from another person, we don't feel like we're loved. And you've heard me talk about this before, and, and you've probably heard it uh, other places or you've read it in books, but I truly believe deep within us, we all have a void or a hole in our heart, right, that's missing love. It's just, it, it's a part of our heart that can only be filled with the love of Jesus Christ, right? And then once we receive that love, our love feels complete. Now that, that void, we try to fill it in life with anything and everything. Some people try to uh, fill it with, you know, relationships or drugs or alcohol or accumulation or uh, in their profession or whatever, but it never, ever works. And, and our tendency in life is to continually try to fill that void with the love of other people. And so when they reject us, that void feels worse, right? And really, uh, that's not the source of how to fill that void. Listen to what God says about that in Isaiah 51, verse 12. I, yes, I am the one who comforts you. So why are you afraid of uh, mere humans who wither like the grass and disappear? God's saying, we are looking in the wrong direction for love and approval in life. When we look to people for their approval and their love, guess what? They're going to disappoint us. God's telling us, hey, I am the source of all of your love and all of your comfort. So how do we move forward from the pain and the hurt that's caused by rejection? And I think the very first thing as we're talking about this that we need to realize if Jesus was rejected and we know that he was, we should never be surprised when another human being rejects us. We shouldn't be surprised when another human being hurts us and causes us pain because of their rejection. I mean, think about it. We're mean. Human beings are mean. The scripture tells us in Jeremiah that our hearts are deceitful. Our hearts are wicked, so it should never come as a surprise to us that someone else hurts us and 
rejects us. I mean, think about what one of our normal, I'm not saying it's right, but one of our normal human responses is to hurt. Somebody hurts us, we hurt back, right? We reject back. We want to cause that person some hurt and pain because they've hurt us. It's our normal response to pain. It's not the the right response. We need a better approach to that, but it's our normal response. Think about maybe how you've responded to rejection and hurt and pain in, in the past. Maybe you've gotten angry. A lot of us, we get angry and, and we just want to lash out at that other person. Or, or sometimes when we feel that rejection and that hurt and that pain, we shut down. Right? We shut down completely. We go silent and we, we kind of avoid that person. Others of us, maybe we reach for something that's going to numb that pain. We get defensive. We get protective of our, ourselves, but we all have a normal response to when we feel rejection. So learning number two, the key to handling rejection is to have a response plan, right? An appropriate response plan, not that hurt back, not that defensiveness, not that anger lashing out, but we have to have a proper response plan. I mean, think about it. You know, with the forecast of snow, anytime it's forecasting snow or it's going to snow on a Sunday, we have to have a plan at the church. And we do. We get the word out on Facebook. We put it on the website. We make our services available online. We send you a newsletter. That's a response plan. In your own homes, probably, you have a, a, a fire plan, right? Hey, kids, if there's a fire, here's how we're going to get out of the house, and here's where we're going to meet on the street, right? Or in the schools, there's always this emergency response plan. I don't think rejection's any different. We know for a fact it's going to occur in our life. So we have to have a response to that rejection, knowing it's going to come. That way, we can get on the front end of it, right? We, we know to expect it, because we see that it happened to our Lord and Savior, so we should build a plan now on how we're going to handle it. And I think any good uh, response plan, if you will, to rejection is to first ask this question. Does this person even matter to me? Do I even value this relationship of this person that is rejecting me? And if you do value the relationship, then that should be an indicator, okay, I'm feeling rejection, I need to talk to this person. I get a, in other words, i got to get at the root of why there's this hurt inside of the relationship. Now, most of the time, we won't do that. If you're in a relationship, for example, that you're constantly feeling rejection, you just keep taking it, right? You'll start, you'll even make excuses for your wife or your husband or your kids. Oh, they just had a bad day or, oh, they're under a, a, a lot of pressure, And the more we accept that rejection, again, the more emotionally unstable we become, but also it makes us bitter, doesn't it? And it almost makes us bitter and resentful over time towards that other person, which just damages the relationship further. So if part of our response plan is to ask, do I value this relationship? And if you do value the relationship, you got to get to the source of the hurt. You got to talk to the person. Just like we talked about last week. It's not confession this time, but it's talking to them. Hey, I, I know you said this the other night, and I just want to let you know that the way I took that is it hurt my feelings, and I was wondering if we could talk about this. 
you know, or, or, or what happened? I didn't really feel uh, that, that you loved me or cared about me in, in that moment. And I'd love to sit down and talk about this. It's bothering me. And, and so that's the first step. You ask that question, do you value the relationship? Now, if you don't value the relationship, the next question to ask is, why in the world am I allowing this to bother me? Why in the world am I allowing this to get to me? Because I don't even value the relationship with this person. Or maybe you were rejected by a complete stranger. Yet you still internalize it and you still take it personal and you let it bother you. So we've got to ask that question. Do I value the relationship? If yes, pursue the source of hurt in the relationship. If no, you got to learn to brush it off. You got to learn, I cannot take this personal, this person I don't even value in my life. Now, when we go to talk to those folks that we feel rejection from in those relationships that we, we value, we can't get defensive when we talk to them. And I know that is easier said than done. Again, not one of those normal human responses, not necessarily the right one, but we get defensive, right? We want to protect ourselves. And what I found over the years that helps people to not get so defensive is for us to remember who we truly live for, right? We're not living for those other people. We're living for the Lord, and so we almost need to, you know, to go in here and rewire ourselves in such a way that we get up every single day and we say, you know what, I'm not going to live my life today to do what pleases Scott. I'm not going to do what pleases me. I'm not going to do what pleases my kids. I'm not going to do what pleases my spouse. I'm going to do whatever pleases God. And you know what that does? It takes the pressure off of us. It almost takes the feelings and our emotions out of the equation when we get rejected. And often, if we'll live this way, if we'll get up every day and say, hey, I'm going to do what pleases God today, we're going to end up doing what pleases our kids and pleasing our spouse and pleasing our employer anyway. But at the end of the day, we got to remember who we live for. And it really doesn't matter what people think that reject you. What matters is what God thinks. Right? Paul talked about this. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Do you think I speak this strongly in order to manipulate crowds or court favor with God or get popular applause? If my goal was popularity, I wouldn't bother being Christ's slave. We're not always going to get the approval of both people and God at the same time. So we should always focus on God. Here's another verse, Luke 9, 23. Then he told them what they could expect for themselves. Anyone who intends to come with me has to let me lead. You're not in the driver's seat. I am. Don't run from suffering. Embrace it. Follow me and I'll show you how. Now, is that our tendency, is to embrace suffering? No. He, he, he hit the nail on the head. We run from suffering, but we have to embrace the fact that people are going to reject us, and that rejection is going to cause pain and hurt, and if we don't deal with it properly, we're never going to put it past tense. We're always going to keep it in the present. Again, always focus on what God says about you 
and how God views you. We, we talk about that a lot around here too. That helps with rejection. I'm going to focus on not what these people are saying that are rejecting me, but what God says about me. And what we got to remember is God sees us differently than people see us. Think about how you and I see other people. What do we look at? We look at the externals, don't we? We look at the outside. We listen to the words that come out of their mouth. We, we look at where they live and where they work. We look at what they wear. Maybe we look at their political affiliation or their religious affiliation. God doesn't pay any attention to that stuff at all. That's not what he looks at. When they were selecting the second king of Israel, King David, we talked about last week. God said, I don't look at that stuff. What did he say? Listen, listen to this. 1 Samuel 16, 7. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. God goes straight for the heart. Well, why does God go straight for the heart? Because he knows that's the core of who we are. It's the essence of our being. So God sees things in us that other people don't see. For example, God sees our potential, doesn't he? God doesn't see just what Scott is. God sees Scott's potential. You ever had somebody see the potential in you? Maybe a coach or a teacher or a grandparent, and they encouraged you in that potential? Man, that feels good, doesn't it? You didn't even see that in yourself, but somebody else saw that in you. That's how God views us. He sees our potential. He doesn't see the things other people see. He doesn't just look at that outside. He looks at the heart. God also sees us as lovable, which is mind-blowing, right? Often we, we look in that mirror, we reject ourselves, we don't see ourselves as lovable. God sees us as lovable with no strings attached. You'll hear me say it a lot, and you say it a lot, God's love is truly unconditional. And the essence of that means he knows everything we've done, and yet he still loves us and desires a relationship with us. So bottom line, when it comes to rejection, you and I have a choice, right? We can focus on what other people say and, and continue to strive to get them to fill that love void in our life, or we can focus on what God says. Ephesians 1, 4, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Which leads us to learning number three, and learning number three is this. Surviving rejection requires us to focus on what God says about us. That's going to put rejection past tense. Listen to what God says. So part of a good response plan, remember, we're building this emergency plan, this response plan for when rejection happens. It's not if, it's when, but part of a good response plan. Again, do I value the relationship? If so, I'm going to get to the source of the hurt. If I don't, I got to brush it off. I can't internalize this and personalize it. When I do talk to the person that, that I care about, I can't get defensive. But I think something practical we can do when we feel rejection is to show compassion. And I know you're like, what? But it's a great response to our personal rejection, the rejection that we feel, we can make other people not feel rejected. See, experiencing rejection gives you and I the opportunity to become more like Christ and to become compassionate. 
Let, let me give you an example. Let's say you feel rejection from your parents. Well, now, because you feel or have felt rejection from your very own parents, you could pray for other parents. Pray that other parents don't reject their very own children. Or, or maybe you felt rejection from an employer, right? You can pray for your manager not to reject their employees. Or if you have employees, you can pray that you don't reject them. As a matter of fact, you could shower them with compassion and kindness. Blow them away with your goodness and your encouragement in their life. Maybe you've been rejected by a stranger and and it still hurts. Pray for, for other people you don't even know that they would not experience rejection. Shower compassion on complete strangers. And I know that sounds radical. That sounds way out there. But think about what Jesus said. He said it's easy, you know, to love people that love you. Anybody can go do that. Jesus told us to to love those who don't love us, to, to pray for those who actually persecute us. Or maybe you feel rejection from your spouse. Why not turn your hurt and your pain from that rejection that you're feeling or experiencing into compassion for your spouse. And I know that's the last thing that you're thinking about doing. But shower your spouse with compassion. Whether they respond or not. Whether they're reciprocating or not. Because I'm telling you, when we release compassion on other people, it not only does something inside of us, but it does something to other people as well. You you ever been like in a grocery store and you're probably recently you're in the grocery store buying milk and eggs and bread, right? But have you ever been in, you're waiting in line and the person that was checking out and the cashier that was checking them out, the person was just so rude to the cashier, just talking down to them, belittling them, wasn't happy about anything. When it's your turn, you're next up, to check your groceries through, shower that cashier with compassion. Strike up a conversation, encourage them, tell them how much you appreciate them being there so you could get your groceries and get home. Oftentimes, it releases something in us when we shower compassion on other people. So I think it's a great part of our response plan. Now, listen, I know uh, maybe you're, you're watching today and you'd say, Scott, you know, I'm, I'm on the outside of this looking in. You would say I'm on the outside of Christianity looking in. Christianity simply means I'm a follower of Christ. You would tell me, Scott, I don't have a relationship with Christ yet. I hear what you're saying, but I don't have a relationship with Christ yet. Let, let, me, let me make a suggestion. And you don't have to do this, but let me just make a suggestion. At least, at least, at least investigate what I said about how much God loves you and how God sees you as un, or as incredibly lovable with no strings attached whatsoever. Meaning God's seen everything you've done, I've done, yet he still loves us unconditionally. Look at the scripture about what it says about God's love. Because here's the deal. Rejection happens all the time. We reject, people reject us, but I don't ever want anybody to reject God's love without knowing the truth about how much he loves them. 
Because that rejection, when we reject God's love, that's the ultimate rejection. That's forever. Listen to Matthew 10, 28. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Listen, I'm not, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but I, I think that would be an easy verse for us to pass over. And the point I want to make is this. Sometimes we get so caught up in our personal rejection, and we get so caught up in our hurt and our pain that we're experiencing because people have rejected us that we miss God's love for us and ultimately reject God and God's love. We get so focused on what's going on in our life and how I'm going to deal with this and how I'm going to handle this that we totally miss how much God truly loves us and we end up rejecting him. Listen, the opinions of people that reject us are temporary. As that verse said earlier, they wither like the grass. God controls all of eternity. So don't get so caught up on your rejection that you end up rejecting God's love. At least investigate what the scripture tells us about how much God loves us. So learning number four, when we have a relationship with Christ, he never rejects us. So please don't shut that phone off or or, or turn the TV off without at least asking that question, what's keeping me from accepting God's love through Jesus? What's keeping me from inviting Christ into my life? What's been my barrier that's prevented this so far? And really evaluate that. And this last verse is a little bit, I think it's a little bit sad. John chapter 12, verse 42 through 43. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. They loved human praise more than the praise of God. That's sad. Now, my prayer is when you go and do whatever you're going to do this afternoon and you shut off that device that you're watching from, that my prayer is that nobody would ever be able to write that about you or me. Now, maybe before today, maybe before we woke up and and tuned in to the talk today, maybe they could have written that, but not today. Don't ever reject God's love. His love is the true love that we all need to fill that void in our life, and it comes through a relationship with Christ. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much that you never reject us. Lord, we know we're going to experience human rejection. Christ, you experienced rejection, but you never reject us. Lord, I would just pray for those that don't yet have a relationship with you, that you would make your love clear to them. And Lord, it really is difficult for us to fully comprehend your unconditional love for us that you love us despite the things we've said, the things we've done, the places maybe we've been. But help us to know that's what true love is. 
And I would pray that anybody still on the fence, that you would investigate what God says about you and how he sees you and how much he loves you. Lord, we pray for those that are sick, that are stranded, that are are struggling. Lord, the pain of rejection and the hurt from rejection has, has caused years of difficulty. Lord, I would pray that you would use what we've talked about today to encourage those people, to encourage all of us to truly put our rejection past tense. That we can focus on you and pleasing you and what you say about us and not worry about that grass that's going to wither away. Lord, thank you for this church family, their flexibility, their generosity, their willingness to serve. Lord, we want to continue to be a church that tells people about you and the change you can make in their life. Continue to use us. We love you and we praise you. Amen. As we finish up, I just want to ask you uh, to please fill out those electronic connection cards. If you uh, came today, you know, online and you want to give back, you can do that through our website. You can do that through the Church Center app. But I hope you Uh, Stay safe. I hope you enjoy uh, a little bit of downtime, and we'll see you next Sunday.